You're listening to the Make It British podcast. I'm Kate Hills, and I'm on a one-woman mission to save UK manufacturing. In 2008, I gave up my 20-year career as a fashion buyer because I was disillusioned with how much was being sourced overseas, and I set out to uncover some of the amazing businesses that are still making in the UK. Since founding Make It British, I've discovered that there is not only still tons of manufacturing taking place in Britain, but that it's a thriving industry. I invite you to join me each week when I'll be chatting to inspiring British-made brands and UK manufacturers and offering advice to product-based businesses that make in the UK. So with no further ado, let's get on with the show. Welcome to episode number 234 of the Make It British podcast. So today I'm going to be answering all of your most commonly asked questions about how to price your products. But before I do that, I just want to say a massive thank you to a chap called Lee, who's left me a really lovely review on Apple Podcasts this week. He says, brilliant, the best advice for anyone looking to set up a business in the UK. With little help out there, this podcast simplifies and clearly demonstrates useful tips to excel in such a complex system. Thank you so much, Lee. And thank you to everyone that takes the time out to leave me a review. If you do so, I will definitely read it out on this podcast. Okay, now let's go over to my advice on some of our most commonly asked questions about pricing your product. Here you go. Today, I'm going to be answering your questions or the most commonly asked questions that I get about pricing, particularly if you're making a product in the UK, because I know that pricing can always be one of the biggest sticking points. Okay, so the first question that I commonly get asked is, what markup do retailers add? So, You might be thinking about selling wholesale when previously you'd only sold direct to the consumer and you want to know what is the typical price that retailers will add on. Well, that often depends from retailer to retailer. And I know that's like not necessarily the answer you want to hear, but I can give you a general guide. It's usually between twice and three times what your wholesale price is. The average, depending on the retailer, is probably about two and a half times your wholesale price. At the very least, it will be twice your wholesale price. And then you mustn't forget that if you aren't registered for VAT, the retailer most probably is, in which case you need to make sure that you've allowed for the fact that they're going to add VAT on. So say you're charging £100 wholesale for something, they'll want to sell it for 200 plus VAT, so 240 Now, where a lot of people come a cropper with this is that they are, have already priced and sold a product for a direct-to-consumer audience, and they're already selling out there on their own website or at events, and they haven't factored in the wholesale price. So that can be quite tricky because a retailer is not going to want to send sell your product for more, especially much more than you're selling it for on your own website or to your own ward audience. So you've got to align, make sure that your prices are aligning with what they're going to sell it for. Now, if you can work it back retrospectively, then that's the big best thing to do. So if you've already got a great margin on your product and you can uh, you have got room to go down to the wholesale price and sell it at that price and still be selling your product at the same price as the retailer 
brilliant. Now, if you haven't, some of the things that you can do are, firstly, introduce some new products specifically for that retailer that are at a price point that is um, that works for them and works for you based on what your costs are. So you could introduce a whole new price, whole new product for them or a version of what you already do, but that's personalized or made specifically for them. Because that way you haven't got customers that are directly comparing the price on your website with the price on their website. So that's one option. The other option is to find different suppliers for materials or the cost of making the product and try and get that price down. Now, that is sometimes negotiable. If you've been buying from with, from a factory and you're going to be placing orders that are significantly larger because you've got a wholesale order, there's going to be some negotiation that you can do. And there was certainly when you start talking in vi- bigger volumes and you start putting zeros on the end, they're likely to lower their prices. Or you could potentially find a new manufacturer to make the same product. So it's probably going to be a version of both of those things that you'll end up doing to get to the ideal relationship with a retailer where you can retail to them and also make it work for you. In rare incidences, it's worth thinking about wholesaling to a key retailer that's so high profile that you don't make that much money on it when you wholesale it to them but it actually is is a great benefit to appear in that store or on that online retailer. So as an example for that, for instance, Private White, James Eden from Private White, who I interviewed on the podcast a while back, when they decided to no longer do wholesale, the one account they did keep was Mr. Porter because it was so great to be on Mr. Porter along with other brands that they wanted their They wanted to be seen amongst other high-profile and high-end menswear brands. So it was worth them being on that site alone just for the marketing and the PR that they got from it, even if it meant they weren't making a great margin on those products. Now, the other thing you can do is just sell a very limited range to the retailer that you're going to wholesale to, whereas you keep the rest of the products on your own website. Does that make sense? So you could just pick one or two products that you do have a good margin on, that that you know you can sell to a retailer. That attracts people to your brand. It spreads the word about your brand to a wider audience who then hopefully will Google your brand and find your own website and buy from you directly from other pieces that you sell. So Those are generally the tips I would give if you're thinking about doing wholesale or you don't know how to price for wholesale. Are you ready to finally master your manufacturing and create profitable UK-made products? If so, I've got an exclusive training just for you. This training is for businesses that make in the UK or want to and who are interested in working with me in our British Brand Accelerator for creative small business owners who want to develop and sell profitable UK-made products. If your application is accepted, you'll receive a copy of my exclusive free private training on how to develop profitable UK-made products with ease. In the training, I go through my exact three-part framework that we use to help our clients successfully launch and grow their UK-made brands. And I'll show you exactly how it works along with all kinds of examples. I'll also explain everything you need to know about the Accelerator to ensure that we can truly help you to get the results that you're looking for. 
To apply for an invite to the British Brand Accelerator and get a copy of the training, go to katehills.co.uk forward slash apply. So the next question that we commonly get asked is that your fabric or manufacturing costs or your just general costs have gone up, particularly at the moment. And should you raise your prices? You know, I know this is always a nerve wracking thing. When this happens, your costs have gone up and you're not sure what reaction you're going to get from your customers, from your audience when you suddenly have a price increase. So the first thing I would say is, please don't be tempted to keep all of your prices the same, even though your costs have gone up. Because if you do that, you're basically going to be in a lot worse position for your business than you were before the prices went up. You're going to be making less profit for yourself. You're going to run yourself ragged and that's not going to do anyone any good. And particularly at the moment, you need to bear in mind that a lot of people's costs are going up. So you're in exactly the same boat as your competitors, as other businesses that are making and selling products. So if there was a good time to put your prices up, now you're in that position where it's kind of to be expected. The important thing is how you communicate that to your customer and that you let them know that there is a price rise coming and how that happens. If possible, give them the opportunity to to buy some last few products from you at the original price before you put your prices up. You might find something like that where you're giving people a fixed date to make the purchase actually means that you'll get a spike in sales because people will rush to buy from you at the old prices before you have the new prices. So look at it as an opportunity in that respect. I think there's also a certain fear when it comes to putting your prices up, just in pricing your products in general. And what we do see a lot is people almost like underselling, well, not say almost, definitely underselling themselves when it comes to pricing their products, particularly if you're making a product in the UK. You need to bear in mind that you've got a fantastic product, which people should value, which you put your heart and soul into. And if you're not pricing your products correctly, that's that's just not going to do anyone any any good. If you're just not pricing your products for what they should be and you're not making any profit, well, you're going to feel disillusioned with your business. Your customers are going to pick up on that and you're just not going to give out the impression that you're selling good value products that they're going to want to buy. So firstly, have the confidence to know that you do need to raise your prices because you can guarantee that every other business is feeling exactly the same as you are right now. So you need to have that confidence. Yes, you probably are going to have some people that will turn around and say, I can't afford the new prices. And sadly, that is often the way it goes, is that you'll lose some customers because that really has hit their ceiling for that product, for that price that that you're now charging. But you may find that actually you start to attract some new customers who, now that you've actually raised your prices, start to look at them and think, ah, that's a that's a brand that I want to buy from. So you'll move, you'll reposition your brand from one um, place where you are selling to certain types of people, potentially to a new market, which attracts a higher end customer who maybe is not putting price first. So that's an important thing to bear in mind. But when you do get increased prices from your manufacturers. Whatever you do, 
please make sure you work out your costings and you know what you should be charging and what your new margin is based on those new costs you're getting. Do you know how much those new prices are affecting your margin? Get it all down on paper. Do the maths. And I know lots of people making products are like, oh no, I've got to do the maths and I've got to work out my margin. But honestly, it really does pay dividends if you actually get it down on paper and you know what you're up against. It may not be, it may be that where you've got an increase in some of your costs, you could potentially lower the cost of some of the other things that you're doing that go into making that product. That could be maybe you've overspecced your packaging and your packaging is too expensive. Maybe there are other things that you'll start looking at that don't necessarily add the value to the product where you can cut costs a little bit, but just work it out and get it down on paper so you know where you stand and you know what you need to be charging at these new costs to still carry on making your business a decent amount of profit. Let's get on to the next question, which is, my customers only buy from me when I have a sale on. Should I lower my prices? Now, this is a really good one because this is basically what happened to us when I was working at Debenhams. Debenhams had got into such a a pickle. They got themselves into that situation where they trained their customers to always expect those blue cross days that they did where everything was like near enough half price. And to the point where 80% of their stock, 80% of their socks, not just their socks, all of their products, 80% of their products were sold in those sales. So they'd actually just got their customers used to always seeing that there was a sale on. And funny enough, if anyone has watched the um, Trouble at Topshop um, TV show, if you haven't watched it, it's brilliant about um, what happened with Topshop, how it went from being a fantastic brand that all women wanted to buy, that were, people rushed to to get kind of affordable, good quality fashion to when Philip Green took over and totally murdered the whole thing and it went down the pan. One of the things they said that went wrong when Philip Green joined was that everything started going in a sale. So they trained their customers to expect a sale. So big retailers do it all the time. And it's usually the end for their business. It's the start of the slippery slope where they're just going down the pan. And it just speaks of desperation. Now, I think if you are in a situation where your customers have come to always expect a sale, you need to start retraining them that that is not going to happen. So you need to start telling them this year we're not doing a sale and you need to stand firm like you do when you put up your prices. Yes, in the short term, you'll probably see a bit of a dip. But what you what you need to do is start attracting a customer who is not looking for a discount. You, again, you're going to have some people that will fall by the wayside if you stop discounting. But what were those customers actually worth to your business anyway if they only bought from you when you had a sale on? It's much better to start retraining your audience to buy from you because you offer great value, not just because you've got a sale on, and start finding new customers. Now, it can be a long and painful process. It's much easier when you introduce new products to start saying we're not discounting the new products. By the same token, if you do want to have a sale, only discount certain products and keep them really separate from the rest of your offer. So maybe have an outlet page on your website where you're selling products just that you're discounted ends of line on an outlet part of your website. 
or have a flash sale of just discontinued products, but make a really good reason of why you are very rarely having a discount or a sale. So Hebtroco did it recently. I'm on their newsletter list. They they never used to have a sale ever at Hebtroco, but they were moving warehouse and they had found a lot, whole lot of stock that they wanted to discontinue. So they had a one-off sale where they had a we're moving and this is just the, the first and only time we will do this. We've got certain items that we're going to discontinue. And if you are going to do that, make a big thing about about it being a special one-off and not a regular thing. So you, it is a case if you do need to have one, a painful period where you say, no, we're not going to discount for a while to start retraining your customers. Have a look at the wording you're using in your marketing, on your website. Are you giving the impression using words like sale, discount, bargain, free? What sort of language are you using to give your customers the impression that you are someone that's offering regular discounts and you're attracting the bargain hunters. And maybe it's time to, you know, delete some of those posts on your Instagram while you might have mentioned that you had a sale or a discount and start changing the way you're marketing your business so that doesn't become a key part of selling your product. And I did a YouTube live a couple of weeks ago where I talked more about this, about selling during a cost of living crisis, which has some helpful tips on there as well. So if you didn't see that one, go back and re-watch that. So now on to the final question that we get asked a lot is, how do I set my prices if I'm making everything myself? And the biggest issue we see with people that are making their products themselves, particularly when they then want to move to outsourcing some of their production to a manufacturer, is they haven't been charging for their time or they haven't been charging enough for their time. Or it could be that you are making your product with a manufacturer but you're still quite heavily involved in some parts of it. That might be wrapping or the quality control process. And you probably are involved in in some sort of logistics and you're not adding in the cost of your time for doing that bit. And if you're not charging for your time, it becomes really difficult to grow your business because you haven't costed in the true cost of running that business if someone needed to replace you to do some of that work. So, In terms of how much you should charge for your time, I always think a really good rule of thumb is to take, at the very, very least, to take minimum wage and double it. So that would be like about £20 an hour at the very, very least, because chances are that is what a manufacturer would charge for the time that they spend in making your product. But that is a very loose rule of thumb because that would be if you were mass manufacturing something. If you're making everything one-offs and made to order, so each one is different, then really you should be charging a sample price for making each one of those. Chances are a manufacturer will charge between 20 to 50 pounds an hour to do sampling for you. So now you start to see how the costs could stack up if you're adding for your own, paying for your own time, which is often why when we introduce people Two manufacturers, when they've been making everything themselves, they're actually surprised that the cost of making it with a manufacturer versus the time that they get back themselves is that they can then spend on marketing and selling really pays dividends. Because if you're using all of your energy as the business owner making all the products, how have you actually got the time to do the marketing and the selling, which you must do? Because if you're not marketing and selling your products, 
then you haven't got a business. So that gives you a very rough calculation of how you should work it out. So I would say if you are watching this and you do make your products yourself, go back and put a timer on to how long it actually takes you to make things. Um, I once went to a small workshop that made handbags and they had a really good way of doing this because they always worked at the same bench where they made everything. She put a bit of um, masking tape on the edge of the bench through his project as she started making it. She would do a little bit and then write down how long that bit took. Because then, of course, you go away, you make a cup of tea, you answer the phone, you do an email, you do an Instagram post. Then you come back and you do another bit. So she'd write on, okay, I've done I spent another 20 minutes on it. So she just had this piece of tape running for that bag as she made it. So she could look at the end, add up all of the, like, I did 10 minutes here, I did 20 minutes there, I did 15 minutes there, and see at the end that she'd spent three hours on making that bag in total. And that really is how you need to do it. You need to work it out because probably if you are making the products yourself, you've got many hats on and you're running around doing other things. So you've never really worked out exactly how long it takes you to make everything. So it's really important to do that. So thank you so much, everyone, for joining today. I hope you found that really useful, answering your questions about typical questions that I get about pricing your products. And have a fantastic week. Thank you, everyone, for joining me. Take care. Bye. Thank you for listening to the Make It British podcast. I make an episode every Friday, plus there's bonus episodes occasionally. Many of the interviews that you hear on series four of this podcast are also available to watch on our YouTube channel. You can find it by going to youtube.com forward slash make it British LTD. That's make it British with the letters LTD. Bye bye.